Hi everyone, welcome to Reverb. I'm Calvin Pollock. And I'm Alex Helberg. This week we're bringing you part two in our series on the rhetorics of comedy. That's right. So for listeners who missed part one, we hope you'll go back and check that out. We talked in that episode to some Pittsburgh-based stand-up comics about the rhetorical dimensions of the work that they do. But this show is going to be a little bit different. Isn't that right, Calvin? Yeah. You know, this time we're presenting two interviews that I conducted with comedians I met and worked with in Beijing, China, each of whom is now living in a different country. They talk through some of the situational particularities of doing comedy in different places. So our first guest, Greg Hutt, is a comedian working in Sofia, Bulgaria. And after that, I talked to Paul Creasy, a London-based improviser and stand-up. I do want to mention that in my conversation with Paul, I take a kind of ironic slash combative tone that is uh, particularly (laughs) uh, representative of our relationship. Uh, We hope listeners will take that into consideration. Uh, I'm I'm being pretty pretty mean to him in the interview, but uh, it's all in good fun. What else is new? Yeah, and so (laughs) and actually, uh, you know, in keeping with that spirit, in between the two interviews, we play a clip from a roast that Paul did of Greg back in Beijing in 2014. So you should get a sense of the kind of comedic spirit of this community of artists and comedians that were working in Beijing back in 2014. Yeah, these are a lot of, these are both really fun conversations. Uh, We're really looking forward to sharing them with you all. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Thanks for joining me, Greg Hutt. Yeah, thanks for having me. Where in the hell are you right now? You're in you're in a different <laughs> con- country and a specific city in that country. Where are you? Yeah, I'm in uh, 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 Sofia, Bulgaria right now. Out here, I do work with like a um, kind of a I don't know comedy co-op, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, with uh, local comics here who I hooked up with when I first got here, and so. Um, I've been doing pretty much all my shows through them here. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, do uh, they it's do cool. comedy in English? Uh, sometimes <laughs> it's actually like, it, it's been helpful. I think, uh, I'm out here and then there's another American guy out here who's also doing comedy pretty regularly. And, uh, so now, uh, we have a, there's, uh, I think three, three of the comics are, comfortable enough performing in English, like for shows. Uh, but otherwise, it's all in Bulgarian. Wow. So like, are there open mics in the comedy scene there? Or is it just kind of like semi regular paid showcases? Uh, yeah, it's like there is an open mic. There's an open mic uh, with with this particular crew. Uh, there's one open mic a week. And then we're doing like an English mic kind of intermittently, like, uh, once, like once a month, maybe twice a month. Um, I want to get something more regular going so that people can like practice doing it in English. Yeah. You know, um, because something I've been trying to encourage, uh, a lot of the comics here to do is to, to get out to other, to other countries because it's, it's just a good way to kind of build a base, uh, for, for doing comedy in the future. And, uh, you know, when you're doing the same jokes to the same, you know, crowd, essentially, you know, it, it, it can be really hard because you have to keep developing new stuff because a lot of your biggest fans have seen, you know, your best material, you know. So right. traveling is important to, to not be throwing away good stuff just because, you know, 
like too many people have heard the same material in one city, you know? Interesting. Okay. So I guess just like, is being funny, like significantly different in each of these places? Like how would you describe the differences in terms of what people find funny and what material works and what doesn't? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it is different. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird, it's kind of weird to explain because it is different, but it's all the same, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, I know that sounds like the dumbest, like, uh, you know, it is what it is, uh, Calvin. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank, thanks for that non-answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, like it's, um, it's kind of the, like the types of humor, like the types of jokes, uh, have to vary quite a bit. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's just, yeah. I mean, not just like your references, but like, um, the sort of things that people find uh, funny, you know, and it's it's weird because it's like it can be mindset um, more than just like the 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 humor itself. It's like you have to think of what your crowd is um, kind of how they uh, hopefully you have a, a little bit of a, an idea of how they see the world. And you're just sharing how you see the world, but you need to translate it into a thing that is going to make sense. Um, you know, kind of as directly as possible. Um, And one thing that's actually I've been working on a lot here in Bulgaria is something I love is here there's a lot of uh, pessimism about things, you know, uh, which, you know, looking at at their history makes a ton of sense uh, because they're basically just constantly being uh, like taken over by someone or, you know, is they're part of the Ottoman Empire for hundreds of years and then uh, like the Eastern Bloc and then now it's just I mean, there's a million different million different hands coming in. Uh-huh. Um, and so there's a lot of pessimism about things. And I noticed something is that as an American, I mean, I think it was something I was aware of, but I wasn't uh-huh. quite as aware uh, is how uh, ridiculously optimistic we are <laughs> in general about things. Like even when yeah. we're pessimistic, it's like it's weirdly optimistic. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, the world's going to burn. I mean, it'll be better afterwards, but, you know, (laughs) right. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, global warming is going to kill all the humans, but that'll be better because then we're all dead and the planet will be better. You know, like (laughs) it's it's like weirdly optimistic, you know, and like here it's just like, yeah, everything is shit. And it's like, will it get better? Yeah, probably not. (laughs) You know, like. And, but it's it's like it's a different uh, approach, but mm. it's not so different, really. You know, it's more of because I think the mindset is what it's sort of like what you apply to, to just regular life and regular life is the same everywhere. Mm. Right. So yeah. it's the, the perception is just a little different. So you got to adjust it to, to make sure people understand what you mean, you know? Yeah. Comparing like Bulgaria, Sofia to mm. Beijing. Mm. Uh, what can you give an example from each of something that's like very specific that people there find funny that is not true in the other place? Oh, okay. Something uh, between the two. Well, like in China in general, I mean, it depends on uh, who the audience is, right? Right. Um, like, cause if it, if it was like, cause it, like in, in it, actually in both places, it, it really depends on the makeup of the audience. Because uh, if it's if it's a lot of uh, international uh, people, you know, a lot of expats and and uh, you know whatnot, um, 
it's going to be significantly different than if it's like local local people yeah. um and i re- i mean in china it was like it was like the more directly you attacked it the better i mean just more more obvious kind of humor but not in like a bad way and kind of like a a fun way where it's like you you're not you don't have to 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 delve so deeply uh, into things you don't have to twist things so much it's more just like um just doing observations in a very kind of clear way yeah you know and it's it's kind of funny because now that i think about it it's like i don't i think that's that's probably the thing that always works best everywhere yeah. you know internationally is is i i'm realizing more and more how um you know i i don't know it, it might just be me i think it's a lot of people though you tend to think that your perspective is like the most boring thing ever. Right. Right. Cause it's yours. It's what you're with all the time. And it, I always get reminded here when people will just be like, Oh, that's a weird way of looking at that. <laughs> or like, Oh, I've never, I've never noticed it like that before, you know? And it's like, Oh yeah. Like that, that's interesting. Like um, I have a bit that I'm doing right now about the sidewalks here in Sophia. Uh-huh. Uh, there's it's just varying quality all over the city some places it's like perfect some they're just like busted up you know because uh, they're doing construction or whatever and they just didn't get fixed and it's it's one of those things where i was talking about it and i was saying you know i like the sidewalks here uh because no one can tell if you're drunk or if like the sidewalks just messed up you know like <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's kind of got your back you know and I was just talking about it and someone was like, they're like, how do you look at a broken sidewalk and see that? You know, like, <laughs> and yeah, it's a, it's a good point. It's weird. Uh, I don't know. You probably from drinking too much, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I definitely know what you're saying because it's kind of like the, like comedy is basically just, you're putting your thoughts on display for a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're trying to see like if, if it connects or if it's just like, a totally stupid thought that you should not have shared with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's so funny too, the line between uh, that's so dumb and I shouldn't have shared it. And what a brilliant idea, right. you know, <laughs> like it's, that is the thinnest of lines. I mean, I think it's, it's an interesting point. Like that idea of you have to put yourself, you have to connect yourself to the people, right? Like um, that's something I've been noticing a lot and something I've been trying to do more is, to try to connect more personally with the audience, you know? And it's like, it's something that I think before I was trying to like, just do a joke and be like, will this work? But something I notice is that with like audiences is the more that they connect with you, the more everything translates correctly. You know, like if they, if they like you, they, they kind of want, they want to enjoy what you're saying. You know, they want to find the weird leaps that you're taking. Right. You know, it's right. like it's 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 weird to it's hard to be. I notice a lot of comics will be very adversarial with the crowd. And I think that can work if you if you do a very specific style of like tightly controlled, tightly, you know, written kind of comedy. Uh, but I think when you do more observational things or weird thoughts or, or weird tangents or whatever, you want people to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that they give you, you know, kind of the, the space to, to, to try something a little different to make a connection that doesn't work, uh, that yeah. doesn't there, that shouldn't work, you know? 
So do you, I mean, what are some strategies you use for making that connection? Like, I mean, obviously some people do like crowd work straight right. up or that where they will like ask someone something like someone who's right there in front of them right. uh, to, to, so that you have kind of like someone who's in that, this group of people that could potentially turn against you. Like you, you've built an ally or maybe you, you actually build allies out of the, the other people because you kind of like subtly make fun of that person. But like, sure. Is, is that something that you try out or, or is it mostly on the end of like making yourself, uh, affable and likable, uh, and, and, and kind of getting people on your side? Well, that's, I mean, honestly, it's, I've, I think I've been trying to do more of, um, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, like I listen to a lot of potty uh, or comedy podcasts and, and yeah. things like that. I like to, to talk shop with, with other comics. And, you know, one of the things I'm really realizing, and I've heard it a lot, but I'm finally starting to, uh, I don't know, feel the knowledge instead of just, you know, see it, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, is that like being yourself, you know, like being who you are when you got into comedy is so important, right? Like, why did you start doing it in the first place? Why did you think you could do it? Why Why do other yeah. people think you're funny, right? Yeah. And uh, for me, it's never been my crowd work. <laughs> you know, like I'm not I'm not good at that. It it is. I mean, it's right. It's being affable or, um, I when I come out, I want to just set the mood as something that's like fun and uh-huh. inviting, hopefully and. Um, you know, I taught for a long time and, uh, so I got pretty used to like starting class Yeah, and I start, I start a comedy show very similarly. I mean, I don't have to take attendance. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Although that's kind of a funny idea. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The the problem is I'd commit too much to it and then we'd just literally be going through it. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I think the teaching comparison is really interesting because I relate to that a lot. Like, I I am no longer doing stand-up, but uh, I totally brought the skills from stand-up to teaching. And I think mm-hmm. that when I started doing stand-up, like, having experience teaching was very helpful because oftentimes, like, your your students <laughs> are basically, like, like a crowd that you could potentially lose, you know, throughout oh, dude, the class for period. Sure. For I, I used to have a joke about this and it didn't work. Cause I think, I think it was probably just me, honestly, cause I still think it's a good idea, but I was like, I, I did it in open mic and I was like, Oh, you guys think bombing here is bad. I, I was like, imagine bombing in front of a room full of high school students and you don't get to get off in five minutes. No. You have to keep showing up for the rest of the year. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, that is, I was like, you, that's, you don't understand pain, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's, it's true, man. It's like, you can't, you can't lose a classroom. Like, no, totally. you can't real quick. I want to come back to the, some of the, cultural aspects of this because i do think like the most interesting thing to me about your experience in comedy is that you've done it in so many different cultures Mm. uh my sense is that like you're pretty good and about like uh accommodating your material and your act to the sort of local norms 
and mores of the places where you are but like have you have you ever had like a joke or a set like really go the wrong way because you like misjudged things along <laughs> those lines or have you ever seen seen that uh in a particularly mem- memorable way i mean the I can say I have one thing for myself, but with other people, the problem yeah. is sometimes I'm not sure whether they're just bombing because it's bad <laughs> or, or you know what I mean? It's like, cause yeah. it's almost never do I see someone just get totally shut out when it's funny. It's almost always like they misread everything and it wasn't that funny to begin with. You know what I right. mean? Like right. it's more the kind of thing that like, I, like a lot of offensive kind of things you know, where you're purposely just trying to like push buttons. It's like some places they'll be offended and they just won't laugh because they're offended and they don't think it's funny. But there's yeah. other places where they don't even understand that it's offensive, you know, right. or, or right. under they don't they don't see that you're they don't see you as pushing boundaries. They just think you're being, I don't know, like boring or, <laughs> or <laughs> like, yeah, like or an idiot child or something. Yeah. Incomprehensible. I mean, so I can't necessarily always tell with that. Um, I did though, I, I got to do, um, I got to do a 10 minute spot in Amsterdam uh, a couple years back. Uh-huh. Uh, we were, we were traveling through and this Dutch comic that I met in, in Singapore actually, uh, gave me, you know, gave me a little, you know, vouched for me to, to get up and, and do a bit of time. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, and I did this joke, it was before the election, uh, in, in 2016, uh, where I was just, I, I was basically like making fun of my mom because she was going to vote for, for Trump. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, like I was just saying, like, uh, like I'm, I'm voting to like the, the crux of the thing was, it was like, uh, she's voting for Trump. And then it's like, when Greg, how are you voting? And I said, well, I'm voting to put you in a home. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's for national security purposes. <laughs> you know, like, and I did that to this Dutch crowd to like, just dead silence. <laughs> and I was like, what the f- is going on here? Like, is this like a MAGA crowd? Like, <laughs> I just, I just imagine like the whole crowd just reaches under their seats and put re- puts red hats on, you know? <laughs> yeah. What the, that's not, that's a like, t- plot twist. I, it, it was just, I couldn't, I just, it made no sense to me. And I was like, well, let's just keep going, you know? And uh, afterwards I was talking to one of the other comics, uh, uh, one of the, the Dutch comics, and I was like, hey, man, like, do you do you know what happened during this joke or whatever? And he was like, he was like, uh, I think uh, people don't like it that you were making fun of your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, are you serious? Like, because I mean, it, I'm not exactly like a shock comic, but it's like that's that's nowhere even close to like the the I don't know, I guess the worst social transgression i'm gonna i'm gonna say during my set you know like yeah. just the idea of you know uh, putting my mom in a retirement home or something because her, her boat's <laughs> dangerous but i don't know it was like it just turned everyone off <laughs> you know wow. and it was it was very weird and i mean i don't i didn't really recover from it so much as i just plowed forward you know like it, sometimes yeah. it's just like you've got you know, I, I, I've been a big guy my entire life. I know the power of momentum. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Inertia, you know, it's a, a hell of a drug. So, uh, yeah, I mean. Wow, interesting. Whenever I get something like that where something just doesn't hit for whatever reason and you don't even know. Like in the U.S., 
I just assume it's me, right? Yeah. Uh, right. In other places, I have no idea, but I'm not going to try and diagnose it, you know, mid-set. Uh, unless, unless I think I have actually something interesting to say about it. You know what I mean? Like, every once in a while, something won't work, and I'll actually ask the audience, like, okay, <laughs> what went wrong there? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in, like, what, you know what I mean? And, it, and it's funny, because sometimes they're just like, uh... But sometimes you'll get you'll get a good you know a, a good conversation out of it you know yeah like, they'll be like too mean or something yeah you know, yeah or yeah, like, yeah or I didn't understand it and it's like <laughs> ah okay like ah uh, okay let me explain it <laughs> yeah maybe I think you do twenty minutes ex- breaking down the finer points of the joke yeah kind of and it's yeah. it's I it's funny how much I notice that it's like when I do that I'm being the most real and people enjoy the things that aren't so. Uh, artificial right you know it's it, it's not to become one of those terrible comics who's just like oh that joke didn't work uh, <laughs> back to the drawing board you know just just like breaking the fourth wall completely always you know uh like do you know what i mean yeah no absolutely no i was just gonna say i mean I, like i think you're right that 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 can get to a hacky place where mm that's all you're doing is right. is making jokes out of people's reactions but i almost feel like we're we're in an era where like that is sometimes the material that works the best is the unplanned like uh i'm going to make a joke out of how that because again that that yeah. forges that kind of communion between you and the audience you're actually taking their real feedback and yeah, do yeah. doing something with it Right. Well, it's, it's, what's the what's the point of what you're doing? You're trying to have like I've been thinking about it a lot where it's like, what is a comedy show? It's like it can be just a, a pure entertainment where it's sit back and, and enjoy the spectacle. Right. Um, but it's like I'm never if, if that's what it is, I got to get out of comedy. I'm just not good at that. <laughs> you know, I just can't do that. I can't I can't John Mulaney it, you know, like where he's just got it such a well-oiled machine you know right like every punchline and, and you can just hit play and it and it oh goes. yeah i mean he's so good at that and it's like i just can't do that at all i to me it has to ramble it has to go on tangents a little bit it's mm-hmm. it's got to be kind of dirty always um but it's like that's my my only appeal i think really with people is that they they can connect easier to that i think Mm-hmm. and connect to who I am as a, as a person. And I'm not a controlled person. You know, I'm a, I'm a messy, Gavin, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, hey, that's fine. You know, as long as you own it, you got to own that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just coming to terms with it. You know, that's, uh, that's mostly what it is, but all right, Greg, well, uh, do you have any like internet presence you want to plug for our audience? Internet presence. That's like a... any, I don't know anything that like people can connect to related to your comedy. That's not, uh, li- literally picking up and moving to Sophia and becoming a fan of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you, if you do that, like definitely give me a call. We'll hang out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I will it, give it, the entire audience your number. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Just give everyone my, uh, yeah. Uh, my home phone. Okay. Actually, I, I just I love the idea of a of a landline. You know that I, <laughs> I came to Bulgaria yeah. and got a landline. Do you have any plugs? Yeah, my number is four one two. Um, like I mean, on Facebook, just uh, you know, Greg Hut Comedy. I'm I'm great in there. Okay, uh, great. 
I just realized I need to update the photo on that though because that's a that's about <laughs> that's about 150 pounds ago. <laughs> oh, there you go. So yeah, slightly different, but um, cool, man. Well, we we will link to Greg Hut Comedy. Uh, awesome, man. And and uh, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. I'm going to go to one of my uh, favorite employed people, actually, uh, who does not drink Baijiu because he's an upstanding citizen. Absolutely one of my favorites. One of the uh, the, the pillars of the Invasion Comedy scene. Give it up for Paul Creason. Tonight. I won't say give up for Greg, you're probably sick of that by now, but um, make some noise for no reason. Excellent. So, uh, Greg wanted us to roast him tonight. I thought it was going to be very difficult to do that until I realized that I don't like him. So, this is going to be a breeze. No, there's, there's, a specific, there's a specific reason for that. It's because people always come up to me asking me to explain Greg to them after comedy nights. They'll go, they'll be after an open mic, they'll go, why, why do you let Hagrid from Harry Potter Who's <laughs> during that? They'll, they'll come up to you, they'll say, why do you let Zangief from Libby Do Against Street Fighter host your open mic? They'll come up to me and they'll say, why do you let Bluto from the Popeye cartoon host your open mic? They'll come up to me, they won't come up to me and they'll say, why do you let Rasputin, the cheeseburger years, host your open mic? They'll come up to me and they'll say, why do you let Charles Manson subsisting on, entirely on pudding host your open mic? They'll come up to me and they'll say, why do you let British darts player Andy Fordham host your open mic? They'll come up to me and they'll say, why do you let British actor Brian Blessed host your open mic? That's a good one, but you have to do that later. Uh, yeah, I, can't, I can't do all the work for you, ladies and gentlemen. They come up to me, though. They come up to me after the show, and they, they come up to me and they say, Why? Why do you let a melting giant host your open mic? They come up to me and they say, Why do you let... Why? Why do you let an exploding macho man Randy Savage host your open mic? They come up to me and they say, Why do you let... A white version of the rapper Rick Ross with more hair. Post your open mic. They come up to me and they say, Why do you let the concept of gluttony post your open mic? It's not a person, it's a concept. They come up to me and they say, Why do you let a child's drawing of Henry VIII post your open mic? It's annoying. It's annoying when Calvin Pollock here with Reverb, and I'm joined here by my good friend, Paul Creasy. How you doing, Paul? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you, Calvin. Uh, wonderful to be here on your uh, great podcast. Thank you so much. Um, Paul, uh, Paul, you and I met in Beijing, and we, I don't think initially we're doing comedy together, but we ended up doing a, a bit of comedy together. It was kind of just a way of 
expressing yourself in a place where you didn't know that many people and and we really kind of built a community of of expat comedians there wouldn't you say yeah absolutely i think it's um trying to explain it to people after the fact it talking about an expat community does come across as a sort of a sleazy uh, affair absolutely as, as they can be i suppose in many corners of the world and in many ways it, it was in the the place that we were in but i think we had a good group of people who um yeah like we really enjoyed comedy and the fact that we were sort of building it from uh the ground up almost in terms of english language comedy there made it kind of a fun sort of wild west dish wild west dish uh, a Wild West dish, if you will. Uh, a Wild West dish. Well, didn't have many of those in China, let me tell you. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of Eastern food. That's true. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was. It was fun. It was a fun. It was a fun uh, scene in which to meet each other. I believe we met at an open mic at uh, Tu Shu Guan, the uh, the library bar where we used to do bi-weekly open mics, which we used to worry about filling because we didn't think enough people would want to come to one open mic every two weeks that's right yeah and i met you there because i was um basically a, a accompanying a friend of mine who was going up as well and i think that i basically only liked his act and your act and so i decided i had already talked to him on the way there so i might as well talk to a different person right um, it's important to talk to more than one person i agree you were there until when? I was there until the beginning of 2017. Okay. That was when I left. Okay. And it's uh, somehow sustained without me, yeah. which I, I take as a, a great uh, insult to everything that I built. I assumed it would just pack up and uh, everybody would leave town. But actually, a lot of people there have, have continued going with it. Yeah. It's, so. it you know, go figure. Um, somehow uh, uh, the world moves on without us. Um, well. <laughs> Does it, That's a question. I've got nothing to follow that up with. Uh, yeah, just, <laughs> I just want people to know how how angry I am uh, <laughs> at other people's success, which is a, a key uh, key component to the world of comedy. Absolutely. Uh, so, when you were there, you were doing not just stand up comedy, comedy standing up in front of a microphone and speaking, but you you also uh, did uh, improv comedy. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. And um, uh, very few people that I knew approved of this decision, <laughs> uh, including including you. Um, Let's talk my, about my that. Now, the, what, is, my... What, is the, <laughs> what is the deal with improv? Why do people do that? And, and what, what do you think makes it funny, per se? Um, well, funny is a... Uh, it's a, very, it's a very strong word. No, uh, funny, funny is very uh, subjective based on what you enjoy. I suppose, so the short form version of improv is the one that most people are most familiar with. That's the Whose Line Is It Anyway style where they all play the games, like the new choice game where someone rings a bell and you have to say a different line to the one you said before. Or they do like the even games that don't have scenes in them, like the hoedown game where everybody sings a hoedown and they improvise the next line of the song. So that's like short form where the games are given to you beforehand. Yeah. Long form is uh, a lot more sort of uh, nebulous. There are many different kinds of long form improv. and But they basic, like the most popular style at the moment is the UCB, which sort of makes people do improv in a way that you could 
write a sketch from it afterwards or that it is like a sketch being written and performed in front of you simultaneously um that is the style that i enjoy the most but there are many other kinds of long form like narrative and uh, things like that the most famous one is the Harold, which most people uh know about the most which is like very hard to explain in audio form and deeply boring for anybody who isn't uh, an improviser but it's like three unrelated scenes then a break of some kind another three scenes that are related to the first three scenes so the first ah yeah one of the second three is related to the first one of the first three and so on then another break then the ending is sort of up for debate. You could do one scene that integrates everything you've seen before. You could do two scenes with the same idea or even three scenes that take the other scenes back again. Um, but yeah, that's like the most famous kind of long form. But there are also kinds where it's it's telling a single story or people do themed ones. Uh, so yeah, but that is what I got into first when I was in Beijing. And then I, because there was no stand up at that point. And then we started doing some stand-up uh, after that with a few of the people who also did improv. And then others joined in, uh, such as yourself. Do you think that uh, starting doing improv and then doing stand-up gave you a different perspective on doing stand-up? Or did it just make it less funny because improv is not <laughs> quite as funny as stand-up? Well, it's, I would like to thank you for um, sort of resisting using that. <laughs> that comment to this point in the interview um i think that doing improv first was better than it would be doing stand-up first just because improv can help you with things like your stage presence and not being so sort of caught up in um well, being so caught up in the material and making sure that everything goes exactly to how you planned it when you're on stage um at the same time like stand-up also helps your stage presence but it encourages you to think quite selfishly as a performer that's right whereas improv is literally about working with other people and if you if you don't do that properly then it, it doesn't really work it's not about the success of one particular individual it's more about the success of the of the group and a sort of yeah almost like a negotiation to what this whole group of people wants to happen so it, it requires relinquishing a lot of control which i think some stand-ups uh, occasionally have a problem with when they get involved in the world of improv so are you trying to say that um people who hate improv are just anti-social freaks uh almost certainly <laughs> yeah I mean, I've, I've not uh there's not got a massive sample size but um based on the, the based on current experience <laughs> uh yes that's <laughs> 100 percent correct um good uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the way to sum up that segment. I moved to the Netherlands um, for almost a year. I lived there for almost a year. That's right. And I didn't really do... It was a bit harder to get involved in improv there and a bit easier to get involved in stand-up there. So I spent all, all of my comedy time there. I was doing uh, stand-up. So you became a much worse person. Yeah. I I, I uh, just completely cut other people out of my life and um, st started looking after number one. Hey, self-care. Self-care, exactly. <laughs> really, really, really uh, got pretty big into self-care while I was there. Lit so many candles. Uh, almost too many. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I became uh, acquainted with the, the peculiarities of the of the Dutch audience. Yeah, what was that? The yeah, what was that Chinese like? Chinese audience. 
Um, well, I say the Chinese audience. I mean, it was to expats when I was in uh, China. Most of the performances were to expats. A, f- a few locals did come and understand. But like understanding comedy in a foreign language, stand-up comedy particularly, is enormously difficult. Yeah. And um, even like with a per- with perfect uh, command of the language that you're understanding in, um, as you yourself will know from listening to British comedy, sometimes a reference may just completely go over your head or a word might be used for a different purpose and it ruins the joke because you need to understand in the moment rather than having someone explain to you what, what that word means. Well, when I'm, when I'm listening to British comedy, I just have no idea what, what, what the hell these guys are saying. <laughs> these, these characters. Uh, who, are these, who are these jokers? So back on the Dutch audience, uh, tell me about the Dutch mind and... <laughs> The disease of the Dutch mind. Yeah, uh, yeah. By, by Brett Stevens, uh, yeah. one of my favorite uh, articles. Um, tell me about how that mind works and how you got in there and and really either made them laugh or made them learn or uh, you know taught them not to think so hard. <laughs> hey, why not a little from all of the columns? I wasn't I wasn't there for that long, so I didn't. I was friends with um another. A comedian who lived there who grew increasingly frustrated with Dutch audiences to the point where I thought it might have been a slightly bad influence on me and my my opinions of uh, of local folk. There were just a couple of things that like uh, people just told me just don't don't address. Uh, I guess the primary one was the Zwarte Piet, which I don't know if you've heard of before, but the oh. um, the blacking up around Christmas time tradition. Okay. Um sort of mentioning like mentioning that or doing jokes about it i saw like people who'd been there for a while do jokes about it i saw visiting comedians who were professionals do jokes about it i saw like locals who uh, were dutch themselves and wanted to address the topic do jokes about it and i very rarely saw it ever be received well by an audience which you would think a comedy audience would be sort of younger and and more liberal but there was I sensed anyway. I don't maybe maybe untrue, but I sensed like a kind of defensiveness about sort of outsiders coming in and criticizing this patently horrible tradition um, that was being uh, that was being put on. I saw a couple of people did jokes about it that did okay, but I perceived that people were just uncomfortable about it and wanted you to move on, almost in a similar way of when people would try and address politics on stage in China, if you yeah. recall. Yeah. the atmosphere of the room that that would uh, bring about, which was a shame. I, I, even in my sort of conversation, my offstage conversations with people, there was a, a kind of bizarre defensiveness about the tradition, even among younger people, not among everyone, but among a surprising number of people that um, I never really got to the bottom of that particular issue. Anyway, that's not the one topic in Dutch comedy. There are plenty <laughs> of others. And uh, um, Such that was as? just something that Name stuck one. out. Name one. They seem to be... It was pretty similar to the rest of the world, really. A lot of people doing Trump impressions on stage. How were those um, going which, on? Were the, I mean, is, is Trump material killing in the Netherlands right now? There is one, there's a comedian, I think his name is Greg Shapiro, who does like a Trump impression. Um, I don't know if he, I don't think he's Dutch born, but he, he speaks Dutch enough to do comedy in it. But he does a Trump impression that's very popular in the Netherlands. Um, it seemed like it would be more popular than it would be, say, in the US or the UK perhaps due to the distance from the influence of, of said individual. Right. Um, but yeah, that seems to be a thing that people 
uh, wanted to address while I was there. Obviously, 2017 post post the election, people sure. were very much on the uh, on the radar. Not not a topic that I've ever felt uh, comfortable addressing, but a lot of people like to do impressions and that that is an impression that people enjoy doing why do you not feel comfortable addressing it is it because you're worried that if you did it it would be too funny and and (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, the um, he would have to resign he would self-impeach that is the that is the real concern yeah um, talk about self-care immediately (laughs) immediately call a press conference uh several candles surrounding him (laughs) and uh would immediately call for his own impeachment I don't know. I've never found. Fa- I've just never found him particularly funny as a as a public figure. I really appreciate the um, the president show depiction of him rather than the Alec Baldwin uh, depiction of him. But I the sort of darkness of it. Um, but yeah, it just it's, I I don't like to create that kind of mood, especially when I'm now sort of back on the open mic circuit permanently because I'm I'm in a place where nobody really knows me and I've got five minutes on stage and I don't really want to spend much of those five minutes creating a mood of um helplessness and uh, despair <laughs> with D- depends I mean, that is usually what i aim for but um well i mean you know for a comedy open mic maybe not for a tragedy open mic <laughs> now oh go nuts yeah just um that was one of our bits wasn't it once upon a time describing a comedy set as uh just using uh, the worst the worst words possible bleak. yeah bleak <laughs> uh worrisome yeah. It's going up to someone after an open mic and saying, God, that was that was bleak. That was uh really worrisome stuff. Um I felt harrowed. Man, you killed it. You 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 killed my my, my happiness. You really killed my the my good spirits. Um, my, my lust for life uh has, has ebbed away. And I pre- I appreciate that. And I appreciate that. I needed a change. Um <laughs> so So you're living in London, right? London town, yep. The, and uh, the and big, the big um, what's the material like there? I mean, what percent is Brexit and Trump? I mean, how much are people talking about this stuff? Or is it just kind of like, is there kind of an awareness that like, that's hacky or that's like, you know, we're tired of hearing about it throughout the day. So like, don't bring that into this space. Especially with Brexit. It's just, um, it's just so widely covered that people, like a general open mic people, I think don't like bringing it up just because of the um, atmosphere that it creates in the room. Because <laughs> it is a real, it's an incredibly divisive uh, national issue along several lines, and and many of them um, very very bad sort of hornet's nest to be stirring up. Can and you at the same uh, time, ex- uh, list the lines? <laughs> I'm here to list lines. All right, I'm Name here to some of the lines that it's dividing along. Uh, got, if you could draw so, them to uh, if, <laughs> right, if, uh, if we can get a sound effect of sort of a pencil going along a, a piece of paper. Um, so yeah, you've got like generational lines, obviously racial lines, sort yeah. of political lines, but also the party. It's not really lined up as a left-right issue. There are sort of leave and remain splits in the Labour Party and the Conservative Party. Um, the Lib Dems doing their usual. Uh, charming opportunism at the moment um what is a lib dem what is a lib dem well what what makes what makes a man turn to turn to lib dem or, or indeed a woman as the current leader is um yes yeah, so a liberal democrat is the abbreviation if you i mean if you had to explain like 
what's the difference between British comedy and like, for instance, American comedy? Like, can you put your finger on a thing or is that, uh, are those distinctions like meaningless these days? I think at one point it was meaningful. I would say in the nineties, maybe, well, maybe slightly previously as well. It also only goes for mainstream comedy and there are also obviously lots of exceptions. There was a time when British comedy used to be sort of overall more cynical in its worldview than American comedy and also not overly uh, overly preoccupied with having uh, likable characters. Mm. And that probably, I don't know if that extended to stand-up or not. Like US stand-up has always been, I would say, ahead of British stand-up in terms of um, like the the art form of it. Uh, just because it started earlier in the US in its current form than it did in the UK. There were like forms of it in the UK, but it was in the way that people now currently do stand up. It started earlier in the US, which also goes for improv as well. Um, but yeah, it, it used to be that, yeah, it was like more cynical, uh, characters not necessarily very likable. Those would have been what I would I would have characterized as, um, as like tenets of British comedy. I do notice that British comedians are in terms of stand-up, British comedians at open mic will, will sometimes go up, and some famous comedians as well, they will just do, like, puns, or they'll just do, like, wordplay jokes or just disconnected jokes in a way that probably isn't quite as popular in the US as it is in the UK. Seems like more of a storytelling bent in the US. Um, not that I'm, like, a particular f- fan of this type of comedy, but it does seem to to be used more here. Uh, we, we, we knew a fellow in Beijing who did incredible puns. A Mr. Hugh Reed. A Mr. Is, Hugh Reed. Is, is, he, is he your um, referencing? Can, yeah. can, can, can you explain who Hugh Reed was to the listener? He was a, uh, a Scottish man from Glasgow originally, I believe, who changed his... Uh, had the stage name of Hugh Reed, I believe, because of his band that he played with. And he wanted a name that rhymed with Lou Reed. And he certainly accomplished that with his, uh, with his name of Hugh Reed. And he just used to, he used to tell a lot of, um, it was in the very early days of the Beijing stand-up scene, so it didn't necessarily hang together as a whole. He would do puns that required props, so he would go up yes. there with a big old box of props. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he would, for instance, pull out uh, uh, like a like a sort of ra- rag- raggedy piece of fabric and throw it away and say, that's old material. Yeah, that was classic. Uh, classic read. Yeah, that's old material. He put like the character for how on his knee and said uh, uh, ni hao, ni hao, <laughs> uh, which is how you say hello in Chinese. Um, but of course, with the knee, the knee representing the knee part of that, that was that was good. He also just used. To, he would occasionally just break into song in the middle of his sets. Uh, he did have that one song about being down by the Clyde uh, looking for a bride. <laughs> it went on for a very long time it went on for about two minutes in my memory that song and i think the punchline of it was him just saying he was a boring old bastard i think it was just a traditional song from scotland but it was, it was the wild west in those days so that was that was part of the uh who are who are the audience to tell us that that shouldn't happen the only reason shit. i brought up Hugh Reed is because i think he's a great example of that like uk thing of just gonna do puns 20 like a 25 to 50 minute set and it's puns you're yeah you're you're strapped in no absolutely it's something that almost frustrates me um 
That's, it, it does frustrate me. Let's let's go that far. Uh, if, if something almost frustrates you, I don't know if that's uh, particularly meaningful as a distinction. I'm going to say it does frustrate me because uh, there is a there's a competition they have after the Edinburgh Fringe, the big comedy festival every year, mm-hmm. and they call it the joke of the fringe. But the jokes are all, I guess, because I have to fit in a short space. The jokes are almost probably ninety percent of them are like puns, which cannot possibly have been the greatest jokes of that year's uh, Edinburgh Comedy Festival. And also, like, yeah, probably the best things that happened during the festival, they're not necessarily jokes of that uh, length. So uh, it's very, it's a very odd way of sort of measuring it, is that it's the the sort of shortness of the joke that they want. It, that's perfect for the, the pun form. But then, in like, in the US, I just, I never hear of any American comedians who just do puns it doesn't really seem to exist as a form of even even be acknowledged as a, a kind of comedy that you could do like like a thing where people will go and see somebody do some puns that they've thought of over the course of the year it seems I do like think people that, want something more autobiographical perhaps i do think that with like the sort of rise of anti-comedy in the 2000s like you started oh, neil, to neil hamburger would do yeah stuff neil like hamburger that, would do puns zach galifianakis would do puns uh, T.J. Miller ha- had but a lot they, of puns in his act. Uh, yeah, but it, but it, but was, it was it, it was always kind of a frame of like, oh, I'm doing a pun, and like, there's kind of like, there's you're supposed to laugh at it, but you're also supposed to laugh at the fact that it's an incredibly yeah. cri- cringy. Type right, of the joke. very act of doing a pun is almost the joke. <laughs> the yeah. fact that somebody has actually yeah because it's a dad it's a dad joke right yeah now, exactly. now we now we call that a dad joke um which i think that term has almost gotten overused where hmm. where i'm just kind of like first of all leave leave clap fathers clap alone number one uh <laughs> thank you thank you for that number two you know not all of these are dad jokes some of them are are just just jokes uh, that perhaps your dad told. Maybe your dad's funny. You ever think about that? Yeah. So, <laughs> not not all dads are uh, are unfunny. Some <laughs> of them have have great uh, comedic skill. They they put a lot of effort into the jokes that they tell. So um, maybe a little less of that next time, pal. <laughs> That's what I. <laughs> no, to me, like when I watched your comedy in Beijing and and keeping in touch with you and 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 the work that <laughs> <laughs> the work the work that I've put in <laughs> the, the, the sacrifices <laughs> I've made <laughs> the, the great work the great works that <laughs> I've created that we've been able to do together. Um, mm. No, the thing that I've always loved about your comedy is that you you do great voices and impressions. Um, I mm. consider you probably the best impressionist uh, on that side of the Atlantic. Um, over here we have uh, people like <laughs> James Adomian, <laughs> mm. <laughs> Robin Williams. Yeah. We Rest d- in we peace. Uh, and... And over there, there's Paul Creasy. And, right. Um, I am the equivalent. <laughs> yeah. James so. Damien and Robin Williams. The non-union equivalent. Well, a different type of union. A British union. What's funny about, what's funny about impressions and voices and, and characters to you? 
it's probably it's one of the easiest routes to oh, it's just easy. laughter i would say uh it is it is pretty i don't know if you can do it i suppose it's pretty easy i mean a lot of people just don't like don't do them and there are plenty that i'd for example even if i wanted to do a trump impression i, I literally <laughs> couldn't do it because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good enough uh for anybody to recognize come on that paul that was what it was uh give us a, i don't know give us a little trump <laughs> is uh is donald trump there with you by any chance in your room could we could we speak to donald trump maybe could, could we speak to the president of the united states of america <laughs> um yeah it's pretty i don't know it's just like it's a very just if comedy which it, some people might say that a joke is sort of an unexpected element being introduced or something something that the audience has not quite uh, expected to happen or hasn't quite caught up to that bit yet happening if you have somebody talking in a voice the audience thinks oh that's that person that i know and then they say something unexpected the audience will go oh wait a second that's not something <laughs> that's not something that uh, president ronald reagan would have said he wouldn't have said give me a big old give me a big old doobie so i can smoke a drug <laughs> He would have. He was quite a straight-laced man, very riddled with uh, mental problems. But, you know, but not of that sort. But not of that sort. No, indeed, not uh -huh. of the, the the sickness of the mind that drugs uh, inevitably brings on. <laughs> so, yeah, it seems it seems to be it's quite an easy path to that uh, type of thing. But I also I just I I find voices funny. It's another thing that I am adjusting in the UK because doing certain voices in the UK takes on a an element of punching down that I don't think was there before. Mm. Uh, I think if I do, if I impersonate like a French person here, unfortunately, just just like doing a, a French accent to, I don't know, illustrate a point or something, or just as a character in improv, I think it takes on a, an unfortunate element post-Brexit that it might not have done uh, pre-Brexit. Whereas if you're in another country and all national, like other nationalities are looked on in a different way, it perhaps doesn't have quite the same uh, connotations as it did. Like, I wouldn't want people to think that I was uh, <laughs> saying that, like, Britain is better than Europe because I'm doing uh, a voice uh... of somebody from another European country. Or if I do, like, an impersonation of someone from the UK with my voice sounding as it does and I'm impersonating, like, a northern accent or Scottish accent or Welsh accent or whatever, what with the current uh, winds blowing the way they are, I wouldn't want people to think that I'm saying that these people are worse than my um, <laughs> than my my uh, sort of middle class background or even upper class background of people who are currently destroying the country. I wouldn't right. think that I had a, a kind of solidarity with them because of class being such a big thing. I wouldn't want people to think that I was like showing a um, an allegiance to the kind of people who would vote conservative and. Uh, vote to destroy the lives of people who might have the other types of accents uh or the alternative is voices are funny so that's so interesting that's so interesting because i don't have that on the ground sort of political knowledge of how these things come across and like to me all different uk accents are yeah. just inherently funny like i love hearing kind of the differences and i remember that being something you would occasionally use in your act yeah uh, i mean yeah during those times, like performing to to an audience that was predominantly non-British as well, just there's just an element of um, people don't know what these voices are and and or they're hard to understand 
people speaking English in them for a lot of people who perhaps haven't heard them very much over the course of their life. So there would have been no point in doing them there, really. But um, right. there's also the very large possibility that I'm completely overthinking this. Um, I was speaking to a comedian from Manchester about like just whether just my actual accent makes me come across as a and he, he burst out laughing when I uh, mentioned <laughs> that possibility to him. He was just he was just like, no, I mean, like the way you dress, maybe, but not the actual way that you sound, which was very funny. And uh, oh, good, there you for go. Him. good for him there for making go. that joke. Uh, <laughs> so something else that I, I remember you used to do a very funny American. I mean, just just kind of a generic American voice. It was something along yes. the lines of like. Um, guys, uh, uh, do, do you want to like come over and can you give us a taste of that? What would that sound like? Uh, <laughs> just, just that noise. Uh, uh, yeah. Like I like to, uh, what I like American things. Like I go to in and out burger and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I have to stand for the flag and, uh, that type, you know, you know things that Americans like. Then you eat the burger and you, you wipe with the uh, with the flag. Yeah, you wipe with the flag. You get with your good, um, good, good absorptive cloth. Oh, many many absorptive properties, and I'm glad that people are recognizing this more about, and more <laughs> about about the flag. More and more, you see, that's a very very small very small light impression, but uh, I wouldn't go any further. So, where can people find your work? Uh, is there a is there a Paul Creasy comedy? Um, website is there a so my sp- my Twitter page very underserved Twitter page is Spaniel applause the dog and clapping is how those two words are spelled uh, one after the other and <laughs> I have a YouTube page Paul Creasy which is again very underserved it mainly has clips of me doing stand up from times in the past and the roast of Greg Hart on it at the moment but we'll hopefully have more content uploaded to it soon when I finally get around to filming some things but well, uh, our listeners are definitely going to want to see the roast of Greg Hutt because, <laughs> uh, you know, at, at, at this point in the show, they will know who that is. Absolutely. Um, and and uh, that could actually be a really funny piece of uh, history for folks to kind of understand where the, the comedy scene where you and I and Greg all met uh, in Beijing. Absolutely. So. They'll know him and, dare I say, they'll already love him. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, man. Okay, man. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Our show today was produced and edited by Alex Helberg and Calvin Pollock, with production assistance from Ben Williams. Reverb's co-producers at large are Caitlin Rossi, Sophie Wadzak, and Ryan Mitchell. Our graphic design manager is Kari Van Nortwick, and our social media manager is Lizzie Donaldson. You can subscribe to Reverb and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Android, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our website at www.reverbcast.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at ReverbCast. That's R-E-V-E-R-B underscore C-A-S-T. Thanks for tuning in.